0: Hey, well, if
1: you're excited to be in the house of God today, why don't you make some noise? Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Um, hey, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is JJ, and I have the privilege and the honor, alongside my wife Liz, of leading our church as pastors. It is crazy to think that uh, we have been here in this school uh, as a church for just about two years and four months. And uh, what God has done in this short time has been something that's been really special. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for coming and making the time out. Um, I know that this isn't really cold weather, but if you live in Florida, like, this is like shutdown weather right here. This is like school shutdown, the government shuts down even more than it shut down already. Just, you know, and uh, so thank you for making it through. And coming out to spend your uh, your Sunday with us, we we really uh, it's, it's an honor, it's a privilege uh, for us. Well, hey, we're in week three of a sermon series we call uh, Uphill Habits. If this is your first time, what is this uh, sermon series about, or this collection of talks? We call it Uphill Habits for a couple reasons. One reason is because we believe that people have uphill hopes, um, but downhill habits. Everybody wants change in their life, but their calendar is not aligned with their change. You know, I'm going to wake up early this morning, but they're still going to bed at 3 a.m. And we're like, listen, I'm glad that you have some uphill hope. But unless you align your habits with your hopes, you'll never achieve your hopes. And so what we've been talking about is this idea that we don't really become a new us by creating resolutions or setting goals. We do it by forming new habits. And if we form new habits, here's how we've been telling people, those new habits will form a new you. Amen. And so we got to find some new habits. And we've talked about Three, two habits already. We're going to talk about one habit today. I think it's going to bless you. The first habit we talked about was the keystone habit. That was put God first in your life. Maybe you're here today, you don't believe in God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God. And all other things shall be added unto you. Here's how God makes life simple. In life, we chase so many things. We chase, you know, we chase uh, relationships. We chase finances. We chase six packs, uh, and, you know, the beer and the ab, We chase uh, new cars. We, we chase homes. And here's what Jesus says: You're gonna run yourself ragged if you're chasing seven or eight different things. Have you ever been there? A single mom trying to raise a kid, trying to do a job, trying to go to the gym. Here's what Jesus says: If you just put me first, all those other things shall be added unto you. There are things that when you rely on Jesus, only he can do for you. Now, he can't do the six-packs for you. That, that's you. Stop eating donuts. He'll help you with the rest. You got to work on that aspect, but he'll, he'll come and rest. And so we said, put God first. The second habit we talked about was uh, hold that thought you got to make it a habit to control your thoughts not let your thoughts control you and we said the reason why we got in trouble in 2018 was because we let our thoughts tell us where we were going to go instead of telling our thoughts where we're going and we said i'm no longer going to be led by my feelings but i'm going to align every decision with the destiny that i know god has for me and so i'm going to look at myself 30 years from now see what i want life to be like and then make the decisions and align to get there say amen That's important. That's important. But today, I'm going to go right into it because I think this is going to help you. I think it's going to bless you. I know it helped me. The third habit that we're going to talk about in this series called Uphill Habits, real simple. It's called this. You're going to make it a habit to finish what you started. Do you need need this message today? (laughs) To, To finish what you started. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to finish what I started. That's right. You're going to finish what you start. Um, In the Vasquez family, in the Vasquez family, by the way, Vasquez is my last name in case you were wondering who the Vasquez family was. (laughs) In the Vasquez family, we have a motto. And uh, you already heard our Vasquez family keystone habit in week one. That was don't make mommy mad. That's the rule. Because if you make mommy mad, everybody's mad. So if you want more information, go to week one. But we also have a motto in our house, a model that we're gonna put up on the walls pretty soon. I've been teaching my boys this for two years now after I read a book, really shaped me, called The Grit by Angela Duckworth. And uh, the, 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 the motto for our family is, is pretty simple. It goes, um, Vasquez's always finish what we started. That's it. We say it over and over and over and over and over, and over until they get it into their tiny little big heads. <laughs> Vasquez's always finish what we started. It's a model that's become really helpful um, in sports season when they want to quit halfway through the season. I look at them in the eye after I paid $300, and I tell them, <laughs> Vasquez is always finished what we started. Uh, it's become real helpful uh, when we put puzzles together and they begin to get difficult. I tell them Vasquez is always finished what we started. It's become especially helpful in this season. My family is actually, we're fasting. We're also, the boys are doing 21 days of fasting. As well, And before you call child services, we are feeding them. Um, (laughs) What we're fasting is TVs and tablets, which might as well be oxygen and water for a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so we're currently fasting television and and tablets. So what that means is during family time, there's just a lot of board games going on. And the one particular game has become a tradition for our family. Uh, I believe it is an an American classic. Um, Maybe make some noise if you recognize it. But pretty much every evening, we're, we're playing Uno. Uh, Now, yeah, I I love UNO. It's a fun game. It's easy to start and easy to end. And uh, the problem with with playing UNO is I'm a a terrible shuffler, uh, which can be an issue because, you know, in UNO, you have to match your card to the card that's on top. And if you didn't shuffle well, you could draw a lot of cards until you get the card that matches the card. And so, well, that happened. We were playing as a family, and I didn't shuffle well. And it was Zane's turn, and it was a, a yellow seven. And uh, he, he did not have a yellow, uh, nor did he possess a seven. And so he, he begins to draw and, 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 and draw and draw and draw and draw. Homeboy finished with 15 cards in his hand. And when he had all 15 cards, he, he looked at Justice and he looked at mom and he looked at me and he threw them down. The way. He said, I'm done. I'm gone i don't want to play this game anymore and at which point we made him pick up all the cards because vasquez's always finish what what we started so I, and you don't even have to finish the sentence for them they'll finish it for you i dare you to when you meet my kids just tell them vasquez is always they'll finish it for you so i just said vasquez is always and he said finish what you started i was like so pick those cards up and so he picked him up and he proceeded to play and i wish i could tell you that he won the game he lost he had 15 cards that's not how this not how this story ends. But um but after he after he lost, I said, okay, now we're gonna play again. And I'm, I'm proud to announce that in the second hand. Zane actually came on top. He actually won. And I'm I'm glad he won because it helped me teach him a lesson that in board games as in life, really the, the winners are just losers who kept playing. The winners are just losers who refused to stop playing. One more hand, one more card, deal me in again. I will not give up. I will finish what I started. That's not just me talking. That's the Bible talking. Hebrews chapter six, verse 11 through 12 says this. And now I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full body hope and keep it till the, say it with me, finish, 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 finish. Don't drag your feet be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them and then get everything and then get everything and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then somebody say, and then. Yeah. Now, I don't usually capitalize phrases and I don't try to make big deals of phrases, but the reason why I had you repeat it and the reason why I capitalized it is because I want to emphasize the fact that it says, and then, and not before then. Because I believe that we live in a society today, not, not trying to throw shade, I just I believe this to be true, that we live in a society today that wants to embrace the promise before they endure the process. And I just don't think it works like that. You know, I, that's what Zane was trying to say. After the first game ended, he goes, I don't want to play no more. Because he knows he has to finish what he started, so he doesn't want to start another game because he doesn't want to play it. And so I, I, he said, I only play under one condition. I said, what? He goes, if I win. Well, I was just confused by that statement. So, you wanna win, but you don't wanna play. But you can't win if you don't play. You gotta be willing to play if you wanna experience the win. You gotta be willing to face some draw two cards. You gotta be willing to face some draw four cards. Come on, I'm preaching with Uno right now. You gotta be, you gotta be willing for when someone skips you not to lose your cool because they got ahead of you, because you know your turn's gonna come around. You gotta make it through the reverse card when you go one way and all of a sudden life feels like it's going the other way. I'm preaching with Uno. <laughs> And you got to be willing to draw and draw and draw and play and play and play and not give up. Listen, I'm not trying to criticize the technology and the advancements that we have in our world today. I am as grateful for Amazon Prime as the next person. I'm just saying I remember a time when the stuff you bought wouldn't show up in two hours. I remember when you actually had to leave drive to the store to buy something. I'm thankful for Uber Eats and Grubhub and Bite Squad and, and DoorDash. But I'm just saying I remember a time where you used to have to drive to the restaurant to buy your food. I, I'm grateful for Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. I just remember a time where you had to wait for your show to come out. Like, oh, you couldn't just go through a season in one shot. I think Liz would would confirm with me. She told me that in her life, there were two things that have changed her life and I'm neither of them. This is what she's told me. She said, the first thing is Jesus. Amen. She said, the second thing is Walmart pickup. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this, you go online, you, you put your order in, everything you want from Walmart. Somebody else does all the shopping for you then brings it out in a bag to your car. You don't even pay. They just say hi and give you a groceries. I'm not not hating on those things. I'm I'm grateful for those things. I just have a fear that the instantization of pleasure has inadvertently devalued the virtue of perseverance. That's all I'm saying. That, That maybe we look at life and we go, hey, well, if there's an elevator, why take the stairs? Well, you take the stairs because in life, there is no elevator. In life, if you want to get from one level to the next... You gonna have to take the stairs, bro. It's a process that we live one step at a time, but if we live for the promise and forego the process, we'll we'll quit, and that's my fear that we're raising up, that we become quitters who who don't pursue things because they're difficult, or we realize things are maybe fun in the beginning, but then we leave it in the middle because it stopped being fun. You know what I'm talking about? Like like 70% of high school students go on to college. That's eight, man, that's a great statistic, 70%. Why? For the promise of an education, for the promise of a good job, for the promise of making good money. But when they have to balance the process of studying and work, all of a sudden the promise isn't worth the process. And 30% of those 70% will drop out in year one, not even make it to their sophomore year. I, I thank God for all of the entrepreneurs in this house. I've said it publicly before, I want to be a church of entrepreneurs. But 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 be careful when you cut hours off of your job or or quit your job uh, to start a business for the for the promise of your own hours and the promise of financial freedom and the promise of spending more time with your family because you will be faced with the process of accounting marketing, managing 60-plus hours a week. And I, I, I'm just saying that's why 50% of businesses fail within the first five years because everybody wants the promise, but nobody wants to endure the process. And you just can't have one. Without the other, I used to preach a sermon called uh, Can You See It? And it was a great message about, about, about hope and finding hope and having a vision for your life. Now I don't even ask that question because for me, it's not can you see the promise. For me, it's are you willing to go through the process? Are you willing to sit down and endure while life passes you by? Well, it seems everyone else is getting ahead. Are you willing to finish what you started? This is a big contention for Liz and I. A big issue in our marriage right now is our philosophy when it comes to watching movies. I am of one camp she is of another camp and I really believe you can divide people when it comes to movies into two camps simply put like this those who finish movies and those who don't now if you can tell I am one who finishes what I start I don't care if the movie isn't funny in the beginning, if the movie doesn't you know, have good angles in the, be- I'm gonna wait to the heart. if I paid to see the movie, even if I did it, I'm gonna finish the movie, not less. She's under the impression that she can tell within the first five minutes of a movie whether or not it's going to be good. Now, where are the people who side with me? You finish a movie that you start, you just it's a rule. okay. Where are all the people who are like, well, I can tell, and I'm not going to watch it if it, okay, see, you're not going to get into heaven that way, though. You're not going to get into heaven that way, though. Yeah, you, she has been known, just to start, to walk out on me in the movie theater. She's like, I'm not wasting my time. I can tell, by the way, the credits are opening. I am not going to like this movie. I'm like, babe, you can't make a judgment on the movie until you get to the end. Because I have seen some movies, the great the whole time, but the ending messed up the whole movie. Talking about it was all a dream. Well, then what the heck was I doing for the last one hour and forty-five minutes if it was all a dream? <laughs> Emotionally connected to characters that don't even exist. <laughs> messed up the whole movie. They fall in love, they like hit by bus, last two minutes. What the? <laughs> Killed the whole movie for me. At the same time. I've seen some endings redeem a whole movie that I thought was terrible until the last few minutes. Yeah. Have you ever seen The Passion of the Christ? Movie about Jesus? Two hours and seven minutes long, that movie is. I looked it up. The first two hours, three minutes, and 30 seconds of that movie is depressing. I don't care what you say. I don't care how religious you are. You see a guy who loves people getting betrayed, getting skin being ripped off his back, being the, all his friends leaving him, one of his best friends, denying him three times, being beaten, spit at. So it's depressing. Oh boy, but it isn't until that last three minutes and 30 seconds of the movie, Jim Caviezel walks out all buck naked with a hole in his hand, looking like he just conquered the universe. You know what I'm talking about? I remember seeing that movie in the theaters. Everybody was like crying, the entire movie, all sad. But when Jim Caviezel came out and he in the hole, it was like the Holy Spirit just took control of the whole theater. People started standing up. I was about to go to the front, do an altar call, and know what's going to happen? It was just, people were excited and Jesus came back to life. line. I'm like, oh, ah, yeah. We were all like high-fiving each other, ah.
0: We knew the ending, but it still hit
1: home. You know, we were all passionate the last three minutes and 30 seconds. Listen, that whole movie, if it's the first time you hear the story of Jesus, you're thinking, oh, my God, the pain. Oh, my God, the pain. But in the last three minutes and 30 seconds, you find out the point in the pain. You see, if you hold out to the end, if you endure to the end, if you finish to the end, this is what God told me to tell you. Some of you are changing the channel too quickly on your challenges. Because you don't like the way the show started. And you don't like the way it slowed down in the middle. But if you endure until the finish, it will all make sense in the end. I'm sorry you had to go through that divorce, but it will all make sense in the end. I'm sorry your kid got sick, but it will all make sense in the end. I'm sorry you got fired, but it will all make sense in the end. I'm sorry that she left you, but it will all make sense. In the end, if you endure and you wait till the finish. That's what Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes says it right there, chapter 7, verse 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. Come on, the Bible can preach, y'all. The end, of a ma- the end is better. The end is better, y'all. The end is so much better. Raise your hand if you are either uh, pregnant or have been pregnant at some point in your life. Amen. Okay. Men, raise your hand if you had to live with somebody who is either pregnant or has been pregnant at some point in their life. Okay, here, there is no more fulfilling feeling, hear me out, than holding your baby for the first time. It is so fulfilling when that you look in those eyes, so fulfilling. Here's my point, listen. When, when, when the baby comes out, it's, it's, it's fulfilling. And I don't mean to be vulgar if there's any kids in the audience, I'm sorry, but, but um, we have kids ministry. But it, the, yeah. it's fulfilling in the end, listen, and listen, When the baby comes out, it's fulfilling. Making the baby is fun too. God help my church. Um, Hey, hear me, hear me. But there's this other thing called the middle. A little process called pregnancy. That is neither fun nor fulfilling. Yet if you don't endure that process... You don't get that promise. People tell me you got to be nice to pregnant women because you be nice to pregnant women because you know, they're pregnant and you got to be nice to them. And that's why Jesus wants. I'm not nice to pregnant women because I'm going to be nice. I'm nice to pregnant women because I don't want to get punched in the face, okay? You don't mess with a pregnant woman. They've been going through a lot and it just takes one crossword. And it is a wrap for you. I once tried to be nice to a pretty woman. I, they told me like nice things to say. I, I think I saw it on a TV show one time. Someone said, oh, there's a glow about you. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try that out. <laughs> saw someone in church one day, belly was out. I said, I didn't even see the glow, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to just encourage, you know, I was just, just being encouraged. I was like, ma'am, I, I said, you're, you're, there's a glow. You are glowing. There's a glow about you. She said, honey, that's not glow, that's sweat. <laughs> that's work. I got a backpack I can't take off, okay? Haven't slept in three days. It's a process. But if you don't endure the process of pregnancy, you'll never experience the promise of your child. So I'm going to tell you what, man, start, starting is overrated. Anybody can start. I had a friend, got into Harvard, and, uh, but never went. <laughs> and whenever he felt like he needed to compensate in a conversation and people started talking about all their achievements, he would always come out with, I got into Harvard. Now, it was true. I saw the, the form, you know, unless you know, he made it on Word or something like that, but I, <laughs> it looked real, had like a seal and everything. I'm like, you got into Harvard. That's cool. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Why do you keep talking? Did you ever ask him, did you go? He said, now it was too expensive and you know, I didn't want to make out a loan and I didn't really want to take that risk. He's like, but I got in, but I got in. Like, I, I, I once got into the White House on a tour, but that'll make me the president. <laughs> Who cares if you got in? Are you going to get through? That's my question. You got to be able to make it through the middle because I'm going to tell you what, if the Orlando Magic have taught us anything <laughs> is that you have a great fan base when you're starting, but they won't be there when you're struggling. Mm. And there are people that will cheer you on when you start that podcast. And there are people that will cheer you on when you start that business. And there are people that will cheer because we love starters and we praise finishers. We call people who start courageous. We call people who finish faithful. But we call people who endure foolish. Why haven't you given up by now? Why haven't you stopped recording by now? Don't you understand that business is a flop? Why haven't you left it yet? What's the deal with that? love the people who start and we love the people who finish. But let me ask you a question. How do you think that person who started got to the finish? A bunch of people pointing at them saying they were never going to make it. Saying they ought to give up. Saying there's no way they're going to reach their dream. Saying give up on that hope. You ain't never going to get married. You ain't never going to start that business. You ain't never going to have those kids. Stop trying. You're a fool. Amen. The Bible says that the foolishness of, of, the, of the world is wisdom unto God. Call me a fool if you want. But my Bible says I just got to keep on trucking. Keep on moving. And if I keep moving. I know my promise is at the end of my process. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You know who else is not afraid? The devil. He is not afraid of you starting. That's the truth. Yeah, in fact I have a little theory. All right? It's my little spiritual warfare theory. I think that the devil goes on vacation in January. <laughs> Let me explain. You know churches everywhere. We're not the only church that does 21 days of prayer and fasting. Here's what I feel like the conversation in hell is like right now. He got the demons together. You know, they're all rallied around. January hits. He's like, all right, it's about that time, y'all. It's Cozumel. Let's head over to Cozumel. Let's go, to, let's go and chill out. He's like, we can't touch them now. They're spending too much time with God now. They're too close to their family now. They're praying hard now. They're reading their Bibles now. They're attending church, haven't missed in three weeks for now. And I feel like he got them all together, and they're, like, and they're like, hey, but on day 22, we'll go. We'll go. Here's what the devil said when Jesus rebuked him three times in the desert. He was fasting for 40 days. The devil realized, he goes, I can't get him while he's fasting. And so the Bible says, that this is the literal words of the devil. He said, I'm going to leave until an opportune time. The enemy is searching for an opportune time. And the opportune time to affect you is not when you start, because when you start, your energy's high. When you start, your passion's high. When you start, your, your, your commitment is high. When you start, your, your determination is high. When you start, your, your spirit is high. But he's going to wait. Here's the opportune time, right when the fast is over. Right when you snap that habit. Right when you break, uh, when, when you break that word. Right when you, you stop going to the gym that one time. You broke your diet that one time. You, you yelled at your kids that one time. Right there. when he jumps in and he says, aha, and this is the first light he'll tell you, 2019 is going to end just like 2018. Might as well roll up this year and categorize it in the bin with the rest of them. But I will not. Why? Because this year I'm going to make it a habit. Come on, somebody, to finish. Come on. I'm going to make it a habit to finish what I started. And it doesn't matter what happens in the middle. It doesn't matter how tough the process gets. If I got this thing going, I'm going to keep this thing going until I experience the promise the end of the process. And here's how you do it. One simple, I'm going to tell you, if you want to finish, shout right now, say finish. I'm going to teach you how to finish. I'm going to give you one way you can finish right now. One way you can finish. Here's, here's how you finish. And I found it in the book of, the book of Acts. Matter of fact, we're going to read that first and then I'll give you it. Okay. The book of Acts. Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. Here's Paul. He's, he's writing. He says this. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Let me give you some context. Um, You know, Paul, he was this guy who used to persecute Christians. But then he gives his life to Jesus, and now he starts supporting Christians. He actually became one. Now he's writing, and he's saying, now I'm going to go back. Listen, he's going back to try and finish, to put an end to the persecution that he started And he's saying this, he's saying God already told me that when I go, because they didn't like the message of Jesus there, he said, when I go, I know that things will happen to me there. Verse 23. Here's what I know. The Holy Spirit testifies in every city, listen, saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear unto myself. Look what Paul says. So that I might finish my course with joy. Ten years later, He's on death row. He was right. He heads to Jerusalem in Jerusalem, he gets arrested, pretty much spends almost a decade as a prisoner. While he's on death row, he pens his last letter. This is the last book of the Bible that Paul writes. Second Timothy, chapter four verse seven. Here's what he says right before he closes out his letter. It's really moving when you understand that these are the dying words of a, a dying man. "I have fought the good fight. I have." finished the race. I have kept the faith. So significant that he uses the word finished there and not the word won. If I was Paul, I might have been a little more encouraging. I might have said something like, I have won the race. Everybody loves winners, right? But Paul didn't say won. He said finished because what he was doing was, here's the point, the one point you can go home with today. He was redefining his destination. You see, if he had said one, it would have been a disconnect because at the moment that he writes that, he's a prisoner. Please visualize this with me. You have an old man with chains on his wrists, probably hasn't eaten in days, not being taken well care of, on death row, about to die. If he had said, I won the race, everybody who would have read that letter would have thought, Paul's gone crazy. He's not winning. He's losing. Because look at his circumstances. But Paul said, no, no, I've redefined the destination. Winning for me is no longer the consequence of my circumstances. Winning for me is, simply put, finishing the race. And so I didn't win because I'm successful. I didn't win because I made a lot of money. I didn't lose because I'm getting beat up. I didn't lose because I'm a prisoner. I win because I finished. You see, you ought to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he said in his last words, "It." Is finished. We're running a race that's already been won. We don't gotta beat anybody. We just gotta. We don't gotta beat anybody. We don't gotta build mansions. We don't gotta get. Now, all those things are nice because the race is already won. All I gotta do, all my life gets measured by. The only thing, my singular goal, is simply to finish the race that's already. Been what? The best way I can explain it to you is like this. You throw me that football real quick, babe. You, yeah, you could have thrown it. I'd have, I'd have caught it. Kind of like a little catch thing. I'm fasting TV, so I, I can't watch football. So, so I YouTube it. So I've been, I've been, I, I YouTube football because I wanted to, I always admired those people who finish at the goal line. You know, if you're not familiar with football, there's a goal line. It's a white line. You pass it, you get a touchdown. One guy got a ball, and then there's like 12 guys trying to stop him. So I started going to college trainings. I wanted to see how do they train these professional athletes to finish? And uh, two things stuck out to me. They, they make them run drills. And so worship team, can you help me run this drill real quick? And so w- one drill it's pretty cool. What they, They'll tell the guy who's got the ball. They say, okay, hold it tight. And as you hold it high and tight, here's what's gonna happen. Contact is gonna come. I said, guys, as I come through, you're gonna hit me, but don't hit me too hard, all right? You push me, but don't push me too hard, all right? And so, I also won't be able to finish the preaching. And so, he said, you're gonna feel the contact. And here's the first thing he said He said, You gotta learn to push through the contact. And so, I'm running. Go ahead. Oh, sorry? All right, chill, 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 chill. Okay. Here's what Paul is saying. Let me give you an illustration of what he's saying. He's saying, I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. I've been locked up as a prisoner. I've been abandoned by all my friends. My enemies hate me. My friends don't want me. Show the verse one more time. Show the verse one. Acts, 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 Acts. acts. Next one. But none of these things... <sighs> go ahead. Uh uh-uh. None of them are going to keep me from moving. Here was the first thing he said, no matter what happens, no matter how many times you get hit, he said, you got to keep your feet moving. I can get hit hard, but doesn't matter how hard they hit me. Nothing will keep my feet from moving. It doesn't matter what the doctor says, it will not keep my feet from moving. It doesn't matter what the bank says, it will not keep my feet from moving. It doesn't matter what my enemies say, it will not keep my feet from moving. I'm going to fight through the contact and I'm going to finish what I started. That was the first thing. He said, but the second thing's important. And the second thing to illustrate it, he he had one of the biggest guys on the team tackle the running back. You to tackle me. But if you tackle me too hard, you're fired. <laughs> All right. So, 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 so you're gonna tackle me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now the guy hit the ground. It was powerful. And when he hit the ground, he stopped moving. And the coach came out, got right in his face. and he yelled at him. I said, why did you stop moving? He said, coach, I hit the ground. Everybody knows that in football, when the runner hits the ground, the play's over, game's over, gotta give the ball up. He said, no, rule number two, you don't stop pushing till the whistle blows. He said, you gotta fight through the whistle. The whistle will tell you when the game is over. The whistle will tell you when the play is But coach, I hit the ground when the whistle blows. But coach, it hurts when the whistle blows. But coach, I failed. I fell flat on my face. I said when the whistle blows. But until the whistle blows, even if you've hit the ground, you'll keep pushing. You'll keep fighting. You'll keep moving inch by inch, step by step. I'm not going to give up keep fighting. It doesn't matter if I hit the ground. It doesn't matter if I fall. I'm going to keep going after my dream, after my hope. I'm going to keep moving. 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 I will finish what I started. Stay standing. Stay standing. And listen, here's what the coach says. Here's what the coach said. He said, and I don't want you to stop until you hear the whistle blow. And only one person can blow the whistle. Who? The ref. The person on the field with the authority and the power. Oh, you're not hearing me. I'm telling you that until the ref blows the whistle, you keep pushing. Until the ref blows the whistle, you keep fighting. Until the ref blows the whistle, you keep throwing bows. You do what you got to do, but you finish the race that you started. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. Don't you give in. You hold on to that dream. You want to know a real dreamer? You want to know a real dreamer? A real dreamer isn't somebody who accomplishes their dream. It's going to set you free. Hear me. A real dreamer is someone who finishes holding their dream. You see, for many years, I prayed that our church would grow and that people would come. And then I realized that's not my race. Even if this church never grows, even if it gets smaller and shrinks, my job isn't to grow this church. My job is to hold on to that dream as I finish my race. I'm just going to hold my dream, keep it high and tight, keep my feet moving, and not stop pressing until the whistle blows, how do I know I still got time left on the clock? Do you have breath in your lungs? Because if you have breath in your lungs the whistle has not blown can you raise your hand? Then the whistle has not blown. Can you pray? Then the whistle has not blown. Can you worship? Can you worship? If you can worship, then the whistle has not blown Can you praise them? Then the whistle has not blown. Can you jump? Then the whistle has not blown. The whistle has not blown. The whistle has not blown. Push, 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 push. Come on, tap somebody, tell them I'm going to finish this time. Come on, if you really love them, you can push them hard. I'm going to finish this time. I will. I will. Somebody said the clock was running out on my marriage. Not until the whistle blows. My business is doing terrible. I haven't made any new clients this month. Not until the whistle blows blows I'm single I don't know if that Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright is going to come not until the whistle blows I will finish what I started and I started off this year on fire for Jesus I started off this year in prayer and I'm going to finish 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 I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm not done yet. God's not done yet. God's not done yet. God's not done yet. Bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here tonight, if you're here tonight, and hear me out, there's one or two types of people here, and I know this to be true, this is maybe your first time in church like ever, and maybe some of the screaming and shouting gets you uncomfortable that we're just really excited about what Jesus has not just done in our life but hear me what he wants to do and you might be a little exhausted today maybe a little tired from having to live your life it can be exhausting there's distraction there's pain there's problems hear me there's a God who wants to help you finish his name is Jesus and if you give him a chance tonight this morning I think he can get you across the goal line secondly there's another person you grew up in church you were raised in church and you made some choices, and now you're going another way. Hey, that's no, that's okay, no problem. Hear me, maybe it's time to finish what you started. Maybe today's the day that God calls you back home so that you can finish what your grandparents started, what your parents started, what you got. Finish what you started. If that's you, when I say three, nobody's peeking. I want you to raise your right hand in the sky and say, God, finish what you started in my life. If that's you. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. ready. One, two, all over this place. When I say three, shoot your right hand up. One, two, three. Right now, shoot your right hand up high. Shoot your right hand up high. Come on, I see it. 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 Put your hands down. Worship team, church, if you raise your hand, I want everybody across this room, would you join me in this very short prayer right now? Father God, finish what you started. I give you my life. Today, I want to be a new person. Inside. Now. Amen.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.